You're listening to the Redeeming Grace Church podcast. For more information about our church, go to rgcrc.org. today is Matthew 13 verses 10 through 17. Then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to, for to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your ears, or blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Matthew 13, if you want to open your Bibles, there's Bibles under the chairs to Matthew chapter 13. And uh, we have just come across this new series of movies. I don't know if you've heard of it called Star Wars. Anybody? I think they just came out. But Star Wars. Okay, so kids, who is this character? This is Darth Vader. Right. Yep, Darth Vader. All right, so just seeing his image sort of conjures the story, right? I mean, you know the story and you understand that this is the villain in the movies. Not to ruin it for you, but you've had plenty of time. Um, but well, this picture right here is a, is a picture, it's a composite, it's a mosaic, where it's one picture made up of many little pictures of Darth Vader, and uh, you put them all together from the first, this is from the first six movies, different pictures of Darth Vader, and somebody arranged them, and you get the big picture of Darth Vader. And uh, so I just think mosaics are cool, people have been doing mosaics for thousands of years, taking these little things and then making a bigger picture. In fact, this screen is actually somewhat of a mosaic. Each one of those pixels is putting out a color, and it's the composite together that shows you the image. And I think that's a good representation of what we've seen so far this summer in the Kingdom Parables, is that Jesus has given in the book of Matthew 17-ish parables that we've looked at this summer, and uh, they each give this individual little portrait of what the kingdom is like. In fact, that's the phrase that we've been tracing through the Gospel of Matthew is the kingdom of heaven is like, or the kingdom of heaven may be compared to. And he gives these little individual pictures. But what we can do then is we can put those pictures kind of together and we get a mosaic of the kingdom. We can look at any individual one and see an aspect, but no individual parable really captures all that the kingdom is. And when you put them all together, even then you don't capture all that the kingdom is, but that's, that's really what... Uh, what we see Jesus doing in these kingdom parables is each of these individual stories can be put together and shown a big picture of what the kingdom is like. And so we're going to talk about the kingdom mosaic of, uh, in the book of Matthew. Um, we've spent the summer just walking through, like I've said, the book of Matthew. And Matthew is, um, is one of Jesus' closest disciples. And, uh, and he has been recording as he goes along things that Jesus has done and said. And then he writes this biography of Jesus, and he is essentially driving home the theme that Jesus is bringing a kingdom from God the Father in heaven to the world. 
And as Justin mentioned earlier, the message is, is that this kingdom of heaven is at hand, therefore repent and enter the kingdom. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Bow the knee to the king. There's so many different ways that it's described in scripture. But the idea being is that God is working out a kingdom in the world through his son, Jesus Christ, and we're all invited to be a part of it. And Jesus, then when he begins his ministry, begins to talk about what this kingdom is like. Um, he goes right through the front door in Matthew 5 through 7 with the Sermon on the Mount, just describing directly what his kingdom is like. Um, it, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see the kingdom of heaven. I forget exactly how those go, but you can read those in Matthew chapter 5 with the characteristics of the kingdom and what the culture of the kingdom is. As we proceed through the book of Matthew, Jesus begins to gather this big crowd. Some people get it. Some people don't get it. Some people are just along for the ride. Some people are opposing him. And so you've got this big crowd following Jesus with a lot of different motives. And then in Matthew chapter 13, which is where I hope you'll be, uh, um, is, uh, is Jesus is in a particular situation where he's kind of pushed up against the Sea of Galilee. He's got this huge crowd in front of him, and he is going to, to teach them, except he's going to change his tactic. And he's going to start speaking in parables. So he gets in this boat just to kind of get himself a little distance. And there's sort of this natural amphitheater on the water. People are on the beach. And he is, then begins to tell parables. Matthew 13, 1, the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him. So he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables. And then goes into the first parable, the parable of the sower, the sower that sowed good seed, the four soils, and begins to talk in that parable. This is the first time that Matthew records a parable, and, um, and so Jesus changes his tactic. He's, he's been very direct in the Sermon on the Mount on what kind of kingdom he's bringing and how different it is from any other kingdom. You enter it different than any other kingdom. You live in it different than any other kingdom. The king is totally different than any kingdom you've ever experienced in the world. And now he's changing his tactic. And he's going to go a bit more abstract. He's going to go a bit more abstract. So what I want to do is just as we wrap up these 17 parables, I want to do three things. One is I want to just, again, remind us of what the parables are for, how they work, and then ultimately the decision that you have in front of you because of them. All right, so that's going to be kind of our threefold outline here is what are the parables for? How do they work? And then what, as we wrap up this series and jump back into Genesis next week, what's the decision that lays before us? What is the offer on the table for us? So read Matthew, uh, follow along in Matthew 10, or Matthew 13, 10 through 17. If you've got it, it'd be good to see it in front of you. Uh, maybe these guys can put it on the screen again as well if we just read it. But let's read it again and, uh, and just get a sense here. So Jesus is speaking these parables. The, the disciples have figured out, the 12 disciples have figured out that Jesus has changed his strategy in communicating about the kingdom. And so after he tells this parable of the four soils in 13, 1 through 9, they then come up to him. I don't know if they swim up to him in the boat or whatever they do. They come near to him, and this is the conversation that they have with him, Matthew 13, 10 through 17. The disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Why, why have you changed tactics from being direct and now you're being more abstract? Why are you using images as opposed to uh, direct explanation? And here's Jesus' answer. He says to them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, even more will be given, and to the one and he will have an abundance, but to the one who has not, even what he has will be taken from him. 
This is why I speak to them in parables. And hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. This has the idea of motives. Of that some of these people that are following me have different motives. They, they want to be a part of this thing for different reasons than bowing the knee to me and having me as their king. Um, there are Pharisees that want to challenge him. There are people who think that maybe he's going to overthrow Rome, and so they want to be on the bandwagon. And so Jesus is going to now start to tell stories, and it's going to confuse those who don't come to him rightly, those who don't have a heart or eyes to see, ears to hear, those who don't have the right motives or the right disposition to enter his kingdom. But those who do are going to see it. So it's a, it's a clever switch for Jesus to be able to divide the following, to divide the crowd into those who truly want the kingdom and those who have other motives or want to oppose the kingdom. So he's dividing it into those that have eyes to see, ears to hear, those who do not have eyes to see and do not have ears to hear. Verse 14, indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. And so this is, this is sort of how God has done this thing in the past. And this is how he, this is in fulfillment. He says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For these people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, turn, and I would heal them. So it's just this great mystery here of people have hard hearts, and not everybody wants this kind of kingdom. And so if you don't really want the king in the kingdom, then you won't get it. If you do get it, it's because you're seeing with spiritual eyes. God has given you sight and ears to hear. Look at verse 16. He says, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. And it's not their credit. It's God has opened them up to see what looks crazy, a kingdom that looks absolutely crazy. They now see and understand, and their hearts desire it. They want Jesus. They want his kingdom. And they understand. Verse 17, For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, which is the Messiah come, the heavenly king come to bring his kingdom. And they did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. So Jesus is doing a really complex thing through these parables. Those that are drawn to the kingdom will get it. Those who resist the kingdom will not get it. So, Here's what parables are. Parables are a repackaging of the same things that he has been saying in the Sermon on the Mount. He's not really saying a whole lot of new things. He is just changing his tactic. It's what he's been saying all along. You read about forgiveness in the Sermon on the Mount. Later on, you get a parable about a forgiving forgiveness, right? An unforgiving master. You get um, these ideas of it going to the weak and the vulnerable, and you get parables of a of a, of a man pursuing a lost sheep. So Jesus is really taking in these parables the same character qualities and descriptions of his kingdom and making them more in picture form. If Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, is the direct, objective, didactic explanation of the kingdom, like dictionary definition, reading the parables is the exact same stuff in more indirect, subjective, pictorial, emotive even, explanations of the kingdom. So some of you are words people, some of you are pictures people, right? And Jesus has both at his disposal. We see in this that as Jesus is dividing the people, that in some sense the parables reveal truth, and then for, they reveal truth to those who have eyes to see, heart to believe, ears to hear. And, but it also conceals truth for those that have different motives or agendas or simply would like to use Jesus for their own ends. So the parables do two things. They reveal and conceal 
um, spiritual truth. So it ends up, what it ends up doing is splitting the crowd. Those that get it will walk with him, will follow him, will understand, will begin to live the values of the kingdom. Those who don't will walk away or even oppose the kingdom. So that's what the parables are for, and that's what they do. So how do they work? These are practical stories. The parables have been practical stories with sort of a plot twist to them. You've got, um, you've got in Matthew uh, 13, you've got this guy who is handing out seeds and it lands on four different soils. And it's, it's kind of amazing because he's just scattering it everywhere. And the kingdom is like these small seeds and they go everywhere and the king is, doesn't care where it goes. And he is going to spread it everyone. So everyone has an ability to respond or has the opportunity, I should say, to respond to the kingdom. But only one in four are going to work out. So some are going to respond quickly, but the, the soil is not going to be good, and so they'll wither away. And so you get this sort of twist that not, not the, king, the kingdom doesn't always work out. Different hearts receive it different ways. Later on in chapter 13, you get uh, a man sows good seed in his field, and then an enemy comes and sows bad seed in the field. And then you have these servants that want to go tear it up. And the twist is that the king says, no, let it grow up together, and I'll take care of that at the end. So you have these stories that have a twist. A man is looking for a treasure, and then, boom, he finds it. What an amazing, what an amazing thing. And it just goes on and on and on of, of these stories that would be somewhat relatable, some of them more realistic than others, that then have this twist, that then sort of reveal and sort of go, oh, I see it now, I feel it now. Because in these pictures and these stories, you feel the emotion. You feel the emotion, you feel the anger of an enemy that comes and sows bad seed, and you want to avenge, and you feel the king saying no. You see the landowner saying no. You feel the, 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 the man who wants to go find the lost sheep. You feel his anxiety as he's looking for something that means so much to him. And so there's this, this, this sort of um, emotive side to the parables that makes you, you, you think of a treasure, and all of a sudden you're willing to sell everything you have because of the joy you have with this treasure. You think of um, a, a tenants that kill a son in order to receive the inheritance. And so you just see through these parables this emotive kind of response. Um, you got five bridesmaids that are left out of a wedding service because they weren't ready. And so you're meant to feel, you're meant to feel the kingdom. Not just see it and understand it with your mind, but sort of feel what it's like to be in it, what it feels like to be outside of it, what it feels like to miss it, what it feels like to get it. And so there's an obviousness that's revealed, like, who wouldn't sign up for this? Or, of course, that's how the kingdom works. But then there's also times when it's like, there's no way this would work. The kingdom totally confronts us when you get the forgiveness parables and you get um, uh, these different parables. We begin to see both the beauty of the kingdom and why wouldn't anyone, why wouldn't anyone want to sign up for this? But then you also get the sense of going, man, I don't live like I ought to in the kingdom. So you have all of this stuff that's going on in these kingdom parables, and you can go through... Um, are on our website and listen to a bunch of them. I won't rehash all of them. Um, the first parable starts in Matthew 13. You've got the parable of a sower sowing seeds and longing for a return. And only the fourth soil, only one out of four, gives him the return that he's looking for. And then as you progress through the parables and you get this picture, you have a capstone, as Justin did so well in Matthew 25, with a parable of a man investing talents and wanting a return. So both at the beginning of the kingdom parables and then at the end, you have this idea of something being invested for the sake of a return, for a sake of increase. One, the king is doing it himself, and it's landing on human hearts with the hopes that it will produce a return. In the last parable, the kingdom is being entrusted like talents into the hands of his people, 
And they get to participate in seeing it grow. And so in Matthew 13, you have this question of, what will I do when the kingdom comes to me? Will it find good soil and will it multiply? Will it bear fruit in me? And then as you progress through the end of Matthew 25, you're like, I have kingdom seed in my hands. Will I invest it for a return? And so we go from, 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 as we make that journey through the parables, where they're bookended with this idea of something that God is investing into the world. And when it hits human hearts and it spreads and it multiplies, his kingdom will grow like a mustard seed that will then fill the whole earth, like leaven that fills a whole loaf. And it's all about the hearts of human beings. How will they receive the kingdom when it comes? And what will they do, those who have received the kingdom, what will they do with the kingdom seed that has been given to them, the talents that have been put in their hands? Will they invest their lives in the kingdom? And that's really where these, it starts with the king, it ends with the king, and it's all about what do we do when we're entrusted with this king. King Jesus, spreading the gospel of the kingdom everywhere, how will you respond or receive it? Ending with the king, Jesus putting the gospel of the kingdom in your hands, how will you invest it? Do you have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to believe? And will you invest what the Lord has given you for the sake of his kingdom and his glory? Or will you seek your own kingdom? And there's this real contrast between the kingdoms of the world and the kingdom of Christ. The kingdom of the world is seeking power and authority and force. There's a ranking system and there's... You, you step on other people to get to the top, and you destroy your enemies. And in the kingdom of Jesus, you have, well, it's a love for your enemies. It's a patience. It's grace. There is, there is this upside-downness to the kingdom that's so different than any other kingdom. And if you're going to claim to be in the kingdom, you have to trust the king in everything. And so this is what the parables do, is when they clarify expectations. When God the Father sent his Son, and the kingdom that would come through Jesus Christ, what would that kingdom be like? These parables give us an explanation of what it will be like. The kingdom is not one that will pursue or, or expect to possess political power or influence. Jesus says this at the end of John, when Pilate is confronting him and says, um, You're a king, aren't you? Why are your subjects not fighting? And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom was of this world, my followers would be fighting. And so there's not this expectation in these parables of political power or influence. It looks different than the world's kingdom. We're not to expect or necessarily pursue financial prosperity or security apart from him. It is he that supplies the needs. It is he that cares for us. And so those aren't bad in and of themselves, but they are not worthy of pursuits. You cannot serve both God and money. How you treat others is more important than winning. We learn that God the Father and Jesus and the King, uh, Jesus the King has responsibilities in ruling the cosmos that you don't have. He's the one that sorts the fish. He's the one that renders the judgment. He is the one who tends the field. And so we have in his kingdom a, a great trust that even when it doesn't look like it's working out, there is a king in heaven, there is a God, there is a father who is working all things out for our good. The currency, uh, unrestrained forgiveness, unrelenting grace are the air that the kingdom breathes. It's the currency that we exchange is forgiveness and grace. That's the currency that we exchange. That's what we buy and sell things with, not with power and influence. In domination, but with grace and forgiveness. That's the currency of the kingdom. 
And the aroma of the kingdom is this forgiveness and grace that is extended to people. So we maybe could think of other ways that we have looked at these kingdom parables and other things that we have learned and gleaned. In fact, I encourage you that when we dismiss today, maybe think of other things that you've learned through this kingdom parable series and things that you've learned about the kingdom. Um, and uh, share those together. Share those at lunch, things that you have reflected on. And if, if you're kind of new with us today and you haven't checked this out, go, go online. You can check out some of our messages that have gone through these kingdom parables. So, so the kingdom parables are these stories with a twist that both reveal and conceal spiritual truth and leave us with a question. What kingdom will we be a part of? This kingdom is unlike any other world kingdom that we've ever seen. In fact, it's almost like there are two boats going in different directions. We've all been born onto the kingdom of this world, the boat of the kingdom of this world. We all, we all have the disposition of the kingdoms of this world, the selfishness of this world, the looking out for ourselves, the self-justifyingness of kingdoms of this world. And the boat of Jesus, the boat of Jesus' kingdom is passing right by us at this moment. Our boat is headed for destruction. The world's kingdom system is headed for destruction. And the boat of the kingdom is coming by. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, leave your boat, and jump onto Christ's boat. Yours is headed for destruction. The kingdoms of this world are headed for judgment and destruction. But the kingdoms of Christ is headed towards victory, and it goes in the exact opposite direction. And so just to use that metaphor is that these boats are only passing for a short period of time, and they're passing right now, is that you have an invitation to leave the boat that you're in, and you have to leave it all there. All of the things that you have acquired, all of the self-justification, all of those things have to be left, and it's stepping purely into King Jesus' boat. His provision, his glory, his rule, his reign, his protection, we step out of our boat, we step into his boat, and we trust in him, and we go in exactly different direction. There's a temptation to want to turn the boat of our lives to kind of keep the kingdom of this world and try to conform it to Jesus' kingdom. But we actually have to repent and leave the kingdoms of this world. We can't just modify on the outside our lives in order to be more religious. We have to die. We have to confess our sins. We have to die to ourselves. We have to repent of our sin and leave our lives to leave the systems of this world and get into his boat. Uh, there's also sometimes a temptation to turn the boat of Christ to be more in line with the kingdoms of this world, to sort of repackage Christianity to where it kind of fits with the world system a little bit better. But it goes the exact opposite direction, and I think these parables tell us that Jesus's, Jesus's kingdom is completely upside down. It's got different values. It's got different priorities. It's got a different direction with where it's going. And so what, do we, what will we do? As these kingdoms pass each other in our lifetime, which one will we choose? Will we try to straddle the two and eventually we'll fall off, right? Or will we jump full force into the kingdom? As it passes the kingdoms of this world, confronts the kingdoms of this world, will we be kingdom citizens of Jesus Christ or will we be kingdom citizens of this world? So the parables call us to pick a side. Pick a side. Pick a kingdom. Do you want the world's kingdom or do you want Christ's kingdom? Make a decision. Be citizens of one of these kingdoms. Many of us are perhaps curious about Christianity, maybe somewhat even committed, but a lot of other things are going on, and so it's not always the highest priority for us. We're really trying to live in two kingdoms, and they're going in opposite directions. Maybe you're not a Christian. Jesus is king, kingdom, this heaven thing. 
It doesn't make a lot of sense to you right now, but if you'll pursue it, it's the call to you to see these parables, to see the call of the kingdom, and to come to him. So, if you turn to Matthew chapter 4, 17, Jesus preaches, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So as we think about these parables, we think about the picture of the kingdom. This is really the bottom line call. Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Leave the direction of the kingdom that you are headed and bow the knee to him without reservation, without hesitation or condition. We all must come to him, trusting in him. The Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 is such a helpful, <coughs> is such a helpful way for us to respond to the, the offer of the kingdom. Matthew 6 says this. Jesus says, pray then like this. Right in the middle of his description of the kingdom and what it's like. He says, here then is your disposition before him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It really is the right response to these kingdom parables. We've been called to be a people who are forgivers, and so we ask for that. We ask that his kingdom would come, like seed, like leaven, like a mustard seed, that it would come, and that it would grow, and that it would expand. And we had that series of parables that had him as a father, a father and a son who's throwing a banquet for his son. You're our father in heaven. It is your glory, it is your fame that we want to happen. We want your kingdom to come. We want it to find good soil in our hearts. We want it to spread and expand to all parts of our lives and, and through us to go and to have a return within the world. Make us forgivers. Protect us from evil. Be the king that you, um, that you promise to be in our lives. And may, we, um, may you deliver us from evil. Verse 14, it says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And if you do not forgive others your trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And we can just continue through there and see how the parables get picture and emotive responses to the teachings that are found in Matthew. So, bottom line is there is a kingdom that is coming from heaven, from God the Father, a good Father, to rebellious children, to rebellious humanity, and calling them to leave the kingdoms of this world and come to him. And so bottom line then is just, will you respond in that way? Will you bow the knee to the king? Will you uh, pray the Lord's prayer from the bottom of your heart? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So very simply, that's really where the kingdom parables leave us, is this composite picture of what the kingdom is like Will we enter? Do we have eyes to see? Do we have ears to hear? Will we respond in faith to him? So I want to bring Eli and Izzy up for just a second. I want to talk about them for just a moment and give you a little preview of what's coming next week. Jesus talks about how we have to enter the kingdom like children. And so I just want to highlight these two folks here. Eli is my son. He is 11. And Izzy is a fisher, right? Yeah. Okay, good. And you are nine, almost nine, right? Nine? Okay. So these two have heard the message of Jesus, have heard the messages of the kingdom, and they have responded. They have responded like kids. 
Like Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such like these. And so actually next Sunday, we're going to be baptizing these two. They both share testimonies with multiple people and give a clear demonstration that they recognize the king. They understand the call that they were born in sin, that they were um, on a way to destruction, but the king called their name and they heard him. They understand, they see with their eyes, they hear with their ears, and they want to follow King Jesus. And they're setting a great example for you this week. Um, uh, actually, next week, we're going to be baptizing them just to confirm and affirm that they now are citizens of a new kingdom. We're going to give them their passports, so to speak. It's like, it, that's what baptism kind of is like, is it's sort of your passport. It's sort of your driver's license. It proves that you are a part of the kingdom. It's your ID card. And so we're going to enjoy that next week. And so I'm going to pray for them here in a moment. But we call you to do the same thing. You don't have to be have it all figured out. You don't have to um, have your life all put together. The offer of the kingdom is on the table for you. And you come just in simple faith like these two have. They will um, we'll, we'll send out their testimony. That you'll hear a little bit about it next week. But just it's a very simple thing to just bow the knee to Jesus Christ, to move from the boat of this kingdom into the boat of his kingdom while the opportunity presents itself. And these two are just a living example of what that looks like in a very simple elementary level. And may that be the, maybe that be the case for all of us, that we would no longer um, hold to the kingdoms of this world, but that we would bow the knee to Jesus and join his kingdom. So I'm going to pray for them, but also in this moment, I want to give you just a, a simple opportunity that in light of these kingdom parables, in light of the goodness of the king and his kingdom, would you bow the knee to him? Would you repent of your sins and trust in him? And, uh, and enter into this kingdom that is beautiful and valuable and glorious. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for just this quick wrap-up, really, of these parables. God, we, we thank you for the, the, the wisdom and creativity of Jesus uh, that he would teach in all of these multiple different ways so that, um, so that we, would, we would see, that we would understand what your kingdom is like, that, uh, that those who have have eyes to see, ears to hear, would be a part of your kingdom, and those who have other motives or want things um, kind of on their terms would not be able to see it. And God, somehow in your wisdom, you have declared that to be the right way. God, I thank you for opening the eyes of Eli and Izzy. Thank you for showing them the glory of Jesus Christ. Thank you for inviting and calling them into your kingdom. And God, may they now live as the kingdom citizens that you've called them to be, that they would be people of forgiveness, that they would be people of grace, that they would be people who stand for the truth, and, and that the, the gospel that they have received would, would bear fruit in other people coming to know Jesus, and in godly living, and, and just a, a lifetime. God, thank you for kids who come to faith so early and have a long lifetime of walking with you, of knowing you, of serving you. And we pray that's the case for these two. Thank you for this good beginning, and I pray that maybe today would be a good beginning for, uh, for many others in this room uh, to, to repent of their sins and trust in, the, in Jesus Christ as King of everything. God, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Redeeming Grace Church podcast. For more information about our church, go to rgcrc.org.